So I've been told that there are some feelings <laughs> that need to be uh, that need to be felt. So we are going to be a brave space for everybody to be able to talk about what they need to talk about after Friday night. Me, myself, I'm fine. Uh, but I, I have a feeling my co-hosts are not. So I am, <laughs> I'm going to get out the way. I will I will step in when needed, but I'm just going to get out the way. <laughs> I feel like the tiered list. Well, I don't know, because like I feel like I'm calmer, but my re like my reaction and fallout feelings are more extreme than Mavericks, maybe. So I don't know where we fall on the list on the tiers of of. Uh, what hold on, what, what did you post last night? We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> yeah, Clark Griswold. Yeah, there Look you around, go. Helen. We're at the threshold of hell. So, yeah. um, Maverick, you go. You go ahead, man. You you start. You kick it off. Um, well, let's just get it out of the way. We lost to State thirty four thirty. Um, but that score in of itself does not tell the story that occurred. Um, in case you're living under a rock, UNC went up nine points with two minutes and thirty seconds left. NC State proceeded to score two touchdowns in a minute and 30 seconds and win uh, uh, 34 to 30. We can't, we were unable to get a score ourselves and they ultimately win the game. Um, first things first. Okay. I can, get, I can live with, with losing the state. It happens. It's a rivalry for a reason. You don't have a rivalry without the teeter totter going back and forth every once in a while. It happens. It's the manner in which we lost. And it's, I, I, I hate to say this because I really don't want to bash and stuff, but it's like the, like the severe level of embarrassment I feel. <laughs> I know the players feel bad and I know they feel probably very embarrassed for what happened. But like it, they're secondhand embarrassment. I've never felt secondhand embarrassment for, in a sports like sporting context. And that's probably the worst secondhand embarrassment I've ever felt as a sports fan. Yeah. Um, Carolina is one and 10 at night on the road under Mac Brown. Proceed. And, and winless on the road this season. So that one win came last year. Uh, two years ago against State. Or two years ago, rather. Um, and like I said, uh, everybody's been pointing out the stat, uh, ESPN and uh, their post put it teams that were down nine points or more with two minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the game were zero and 451. <laughs> I don't believe that's what the, uh, this team was thinking of when they wanted to be the one, <laughs> be um, the one. <laughs> and it's literally finding new ways to lose. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. That's really funny to me. <laughs> we are we're the one and the one in 451. That's that's and it that's just so funny. happened happened against our bitterest of rivals in football. That that right there is like their geo punt, right there. Yeah. No, this will no no not not the geo punt. This is eight points in 17 seconds. Oh yeah, no. There you go. That's a good. That's a better one. And yeah. it's something that's going to give fuel for a very long time this is the th you put this on your in your video package you put this on the placard outside the concourse of the stadium uh, 
this is something that gets brought up every time there's a there, there's probably a Twitter spout for going forward. This is something that very hard to recover from, I think, in terms of like banter between the fan bases and things like that. In the moment, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from talking like long term. So I'm gonna talk about just last night. Uh, the sheer amount of things that had to go wrong from our perspective was insane. We could have ended the game five, six different ways. And even if we did end the, if we, even if we didn't do those things, the likelihood of these other things happening is just so low that I was just like, there's no way. There's no way. So first off we have the ball and you know, we're driving, we're killing clock, we're doing it. And we come up on a third down. I was like, if we get a first down here, we end this game is done. We get a first down on third and three It's done. Okay. And I get why we ran the ball. We're trying to kill clock. And I, I don't, I don't hate the fact that we ran the ball. I'm not trying to do whatever. I'm just saying that's one of those moments where if you just, you get those two, three extra yards, the game's over in, in essence. At some point, you have to be able to execute when the other team knows what you're about to do. You need to be, and that's one of the biggest things that the great teams do in football, like what Michigan just did against Ohio State. It's Saturday, by the way, not Sunday. Uh, Michigan ran the ball when Ohio State knew that they were about to run the ball, and they did it all the way down the field to a victory. That is what the great teams do. So, you know, that's one thing. That's one moment where I was like, that could come back to bite us, but I'm not going to hate it. I, I like, I liked the idea of going for, for the field goal. I really did because that puts us up two possessions. I didn't love. You think when you're up two possessions with two minutes left to go, even if something catastrophic happened, you're up two scores. So there again, has a lot to go wrong after that. It has one timeout at this point. They have one timeout left. Um, the, I'm actually also going to point to a, the possession before in which we had three plays at the end at the at the red zone within the five, and threw two passes to to Antoine Green, who dropped both passes. Now one was PI. I will fight on that one. However, was catchable. Second one just got out muscled. Um, and I'm not going to like as frustrated as I am at certain players. This is a game played by kids, coached by adults. I'm not going to like go rip any particular person. Although I was frustrated last night in the discord at a particular safety on UNC's defense. Um, but every touchdown scores against them, but who's counting? Who's counting? But um, you know, had some missed, had some drops and then throws. I don't understand the infatuation with that screen, that screenplay that we were running that tunnel screen, whatever yeah. they were. Yeah. It worked worked work that okay so, sorry david let, let me step in here um the, on the broadcast they said oh the screen's been working and i'm like are we watching the same game i mean like yes josh downs was catching those balls but they weren't clean half of them were about to be intercepted it was just a matter of time before one of them either got broken up or got picked off i don't know why we kept coming back to it when it was so precarious like the entire second half where i was holding my breath every time i saw it happening yeah i, I they almost took one for a pick six that i i think it was the, the one that i'm talking about like the last one that we ran they almost took that one like i thought that was picked and that was that was going the other way 
That was one catastrophic moment. Um, I just don't understand how you look at how British Brooks was running the ball and you don't at least try and run him at least once within the five. I don't see how you don't let Sam, uh, Sam Howell, who's been running like a fiend, like, genu- like I feel like people say this facetiously, but genuinely the best, if not one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country right now. I, are there any, is there any opposition to that? I feel like he is doing a, a great, the, the threat of him throwing his accuracy, his arm coupled with his ability to run. You know, I think he's one of the most dangerous dual threat quarterbacks. Now, is he going to go to the NFL and do that? Probably not. <laughs> you know, he's, they're going to tell his butt to slide. Um, but um, that's what they told him in college too. <laughs> know, but there's bigger boys hitting him. This <laughs> He'll learn after one or two of those hits. Um but I point back to that as just the inability to execute within the 20 yard line is just mind bogglingly. And that's a greater thing about Phil Longo's offensive playbook that is gets brought up constantly is from 20 to 20, he is a magician from 20 to the end zone. It's like a baby is calling the, calling the place. And, and that's been a problem since before he got to Carolina. I remember doing a podcast when we talked about this higher, that that was the biggest issue was red zone play calling. Yeah, I, I remember that as well. Um, so so that's two points of uh, in this game where we could have put it away, done. The third, we kick the field goal. We go up to possession. Grayson Atkins makes an amazing kick, 50-yarder, right down the pipe. Okay, great kick, great decision. I'm like, yes. This is happy for Grayson, especially with his development. We we were definitely on him last year, and to hit a field goal in that kind of circumstance like that, that that should have been the the game clinching moment. That should have been the all right. This is gonna go. You know, this this game is done. We're just gonna run through the motions. But on defense. We give, give the ball back to state. We're up two possessions. The one thing we cannot do, and we give up a 64-yard touchdown pass on a blown coverage. How in the hell do you blow a coverage and basically prevent defense? Like, at that point. Like, I know they were running cover two. They were running cover two. But I don't understand how the same Cover five. Does it, okay, yeah. Cover two, <laughs> cover two, man. Cover five, whatever. Yes, go on. <laughs> There is. There's supposed to be safety help. Yes. 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 So I, the you know Tony Grimes does his job. He runs man up with the receiver. Mm-hmm. Safety is on the whole other half of the field. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, number nine. He went down into he he jumped onto the the in breaking route the the deep dig instead of sticking with the with the fade route and. It's just, I, it's just one of those two things you can live with, right? They get a, they get a 20 yard pass down the field. So be it, make them kill some clock. You know, it is what it is. Honestly, the the way the safety was playing there, it looked like everyone else was playing either cover two or cover. It's basically cover five and just cover two man, basically. Um, But it, it seemed like the safety was playing cover four instead of, um cover two principles where when you have the end breaking route um the safety jumps down and takes it away and then everyone else rotates and turns it into basically cover three um but that's not what everyone else is running uh the corner i think it was tony Grimes, is running underneath the receiver as he should have been um yeah. he was in the, the right position and there should have been help over the top basically exactly. 
So you give up that big, long touchdown. And, and I think I saw someone tweet it, but even more backbreaking than the fact that, they, that we gave up that touchdown is the fact that they didn't take any time off the clock. It was like five, 10 seconds max they took off the clock. So now we get to the point where we're like, all right, we recover this onside kick. It maybe gets a little dicey. You get a first down. You still win it. Fine. Whatever. It makes it a little more interesting than it has to be. They kick the onside and nobody goes to the ball. Nobody. They just let him. In fact, they go over the ball. Go over the ball. So I watched it back. Somebody had, I can't remember who the player was, what the number was, but someone had a clear and direct path to the ball before it hit 10 yards, in which case state would not have been able to grab it. But instead they let it bounce 10 yards and let them fall all over it. I, I that's not, that's not, and I, ref, I don't think that's the player's fault. I genuinely think that like, how do you not do that, that, that situation in practice? How do these, these dudes not know? How does a program like UNC end up in that situation and not know how to, how to, how to run an onside situation? I just don't understand. No. Actually, Jeremiah Gimmel in the post game said that they do practice it. So then I don't know. They practice every day, every day actually. I, I don't know. I don't know. It what makes that. it even worse almost in some ways. Um, I don't know what came over them. So they get the ball. Because I think, because again, I don't know if, because these players weren't even here in 2015. I don't know if they're just scared of what happened with our onside situation with Clemson and not wanting to get a penalty or whatnot. You can touch the ball if before it hits 10 yards. It's them that can't. So you can run forward and catch it all you want. And yeah. so – Something in there. Uh, uh, it was number four. If you if, if that ball goes your memory, it's, it was Trey um, that dove over the ball. And had he had caught it, he might very well could have taken it to the house. Yeah. So even worse than that. And I'm, I know I'm breaking this down, but I'm going to go quick now. But, but like I said, we're still up. We're still winning, even with all this going wrong. And so you're like, all right, they're going to probably kill some clock. Not to mention all the – we haven't even got to the penalties that happened in all of these sequences. The worst worst case scenario. Well, not worst case. In my brain, I was like, all right, they're going to drive down the field, kill some clock, play for the field goal. And if they hit that field goal, it is what it is. But I'm hoping some NC State crap happens and they miss and we win. And that's what it is. But instead, give up a touchdown with a minute 10 left. You know, we give up a touchdown and now we're down four. You know, and that completely changed. Now, instead of Sam Howell driving down the field for a field goal, he's now trying to drive down the field for a touchdown with one timeout. And that's, it just, it was just too much to overcome as as well as a roughing the passer penalty on Bohasic for the, and I never, I guess I, I understand the logic behind it, but I just don't, I feel like they pick and choose too much. I don't, I think that was a bad call. I agree. It's a bad call, but like, I'm trying to understand the logic of like, okay, you have this lineman who's like, pointing their weight all on the quarterback but like at that what i don't know i'm not a football player i don't know how things go i, I mean pro- my thing is we i mean this is general football not just this game um i don't know what the defensive player is supposed to do in that situation like are, are they supposed to levitate over over the quarterback like at, your your weight's got to go somewhere so whatever but anyway that again that one call did not make this break or break this game correct the other one that's in contention is that that pass interference call on Tony Grimes. But just the way that they've been calling the entire game, it looked like they were just so 
apprehensive about throwing the flag for PI the entire game. And then in the, in a crucial moment, they decide to throw it 15 yard. That's because that itself put them in field goal range. That's in field goal range. And then a very crucial call. Yeah. And then they throw the touchdown and, you know, Sam Howell's last pass, most likely his last pass with the Carolina uh, uh, Tar Heels is an interception against state. And I, um, I'm going to, again, I'm going to refrain from talking about long-term things or, or reflections. I'm just trying to talk about yesterday, but it's just pr- the, the sheer amount of frustration that I feel and Maverick and Colby and, and other, all the other Tar Heel fans, I'm sure it is quadruple for the players and the coaches. But I, at some point, somebody has to be held accountable for the complete lack of A, discipline, or B, preparation, or C, just inability to execute, like Colby has said. You know, the inability to execute at a high level, even when the, the, even when the team doesn't know what you're doing. I just feel like there is just a general just discombobulation for the past. What, what makes it frustrating is that the decision making is good. Like yeah. for since the South Carolina game where I, I'm not sure what we were doing at the end of that game, uh, Max first game back coaching um, a, a couple things his first year. I've mostly been in support of the decisions that have been made in game, like whether to go for it, whether to punt, where to kick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera on the on the whole, I mostly think that this coaching staff is doing a good job making decisions. But I don't know if it's whether or not they need to start saying like earlier, like, hey, we're going to go for it here. So have a play call ready, like have one ready to go. Like, it seems like so many situations we've been discombobulated when we need to be executing or the play call is just straight up bad um or the players aren't ready to execute at a level that they need to for a certain play all of those are separate issues but connected it's just as a fan as an observer who wants this team to be great it's extremely frustrating and one i think taylor viplis put out a good point because um, we all, I think, when stuff, regardless of where you feel in on like the or how you believe the certain decision making goes, but and whether it goes positive or negatively, um, particularly when it goes bad, you, first thing is that's a bad play call. Um, but I think he pointed out is especially in the first half of that game, the offensive line, uh, it seemed like they could not be trusted by the by Longo. Yep, um, just because. Sam was getting so much pressure. And so the best drawn offensive play is going to wouldn't amount to anything if the line's not going to give the quarterback enough time to operate. And so that I think that is sometimes things to do too. So I think when it comes to accountability thing, that's definitely um, when you look at the team on a macro and a micro level, and by all means, I, I would consider this season officially a regression. Um, we have one less win than we had last year. Um, and then going in individual progr- uh, position groups of uh, regression, either due to attrition or just to lack of development, there has to be some type of accountability. So I know David said he doesn't want to talk about the long-term stuff, but I think it's not yet. I, I overall, want- we'll have to look at the overall state of the program. And for someone like Matt Brown, who 
like I said, he's he, he's not. Uh, it's not uncommon for him to make changes if he feels changes need to be made. I feel like we're we're really hitting that point where something has to change. Now, I, as frustrated as I get, and as frustrated as I see the Twitter uh, bubble get, I don't think I think we will retain offensive and defensive coordinator. I think again, and I mentioned this in previous pods, it's going to start at the position groups, particularly. I think that there needs to be some turnover. Someone mentioned, I don't know how practical this would be, is that, you know, Longo is, like David said, a magician between the 20s, but then you get into the red zone situations and it just seems to fall apart, is that we have a red zone coordinator. Nope, I don't like it. I don't like it. Nope, nope, nope. Don't like that. Hate that. Um, I mean, what, what, I, I, I'd love to hear a better solution because obviously what we have right now is not acceptable. I, I what, but what I don't like about that is adding more variables to an already bad situation. <laughs> like I, I feel like the the simpler answer there is just be better on the goal line, and I and I say that because there are flashes. Like the there was one point where we did the shift that we do only on the goal line where Sam's under center and we went to a play action stretch play that ended up with a touchdown to um, Walston, I believe Garrett Walston. Um, I think that was the first touchdown of the game. Um, that's a great play call. I'd also love us, love us, love to see like our stretch running game. Cause it looked like it would have actually worked if he did hand it off. Um, but it's not like that. It's not like he's uncre. He it's not like he doesn't have the ability to be creative in in the red zone. Not even be creative, but at least get them prepared to execute in the red zone. It's just being more consistent in the red zone. If if we're going to be talking about, I mean, I, with position coaches, like I don't even know who you let go. I also think that Jay Bateman's gotten better since he went up to the booth and he wasn't on the field anymore after the, yeah. was it the wake forest game where we had trouble getting calls down? Maybe it was Notre Dame. Um, I think it was Wake because it, it was a game. We still won. I remember. Yeah. So it, was sure the, it was Wake. Yeah. It was the Wake game where he went up to the booth and was called since he went up to the booth. Defense has gotten much, much better. Um, I mean, the defense gives up 27 points that game and we win. Yeah. So, no, I mean, two particular that a lot of that always around, it's been brought up several times offensive line coach and the special teams coordinator. Yeah. We had, we had two block punts. Um, we couldn't recover an onside kick. That's three errors on the special teams. Um, in a big that's game, one, a game people care offense, about. An offensive line for a, a, a unit that is composed of several veterans, four year starters basically, and to see essentially a lack of development. I, I mentioned last night a regression, but they said perhaps they weren't even as good in pass pro last year as they were this year. They're still about the same, but still that line still produced 2,000-yard backs. I don't think they still did a lot of improvement there, but then to just go back the way that they did, um, yeah. that's a lack of development, and that goes to the – the older folks in the room, not the 18 and 19 year olds. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say about, about the O-line is that it's not, it's a development problem. 
it, it's a hundred percent a development problem it, because it, like you said, you said it's three thousand yard rush rushers, right? With um Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and um Ty Chandler. Well, I'm saying last year, oh, they, yeah, they yeah, yeah, two thousand yard backs. It was like I said because last year we thought we. we saw what they were able to allow Michael Carter and Javante Williams do. And we're like, Oh, that they're going to be even better this year. And like I said, what, if you take what they did last year, maybe add some development in pass pro. Oh, wow. This is potentially going to be a top 10 line in the country. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, and like I said, that falls, that's a coaching thing. Just to clarify my earlier comments. I have no problem talking about the long-term ramifications. I just meant in the moment I was going to talk about what happened. And now if we want to get into, if we want to get into like how we feel it affects the program, like I'm totally fine. I didn't mean that I didn't want, I didn't want to talk about it at all, but just to keep my my own brain focused, I was was going to talk about just yesterday. And, you know, if we, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, we can. Again, the, the thing with me is, I would be very surprised if something did not change with this staff, because I think if nothing changed, it's almost a saying of we're accepting what happened. And like, we're going back to the first thing David said is the lack of accountability Um, to, to not make any changes given how much of a disappointment this season was based upon preseason expectations. It means they're accepting almost this level of play um, and I think that would be that would not uh, be taken well I think by a lot of the fan base now while I don't think it's going to be the folks that the, a lot of the fans are wanting to be replaced uh, I would be very surprised if there weren't some changes made it might be more minor tweaks um, but I think something has to change Taylor Viplis tweeted out something that really rung my bell but 21 and 16 record, zero conference championship appearances with the best quarterback in school history, two of the best running backs in school history, and one of the best wide receivers. There's a couple of the best wide receivers in school history. Because Josh Downs this season has been amazing. He's put together an amazing resume. He just broke the record for or the school record for receptions in a season, right? I mean, like, I mean, I think he just I think he just passed Switz last night. What was that? Was that it? Either tied, I don't know if he caught one after that, but he definitely tied Switz for receptions. I think he actually broke Hakeem Nick's record for yardage. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this how State felt with Russell Wilson? I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. I don't even know. But so again, I can live with losing the state. The biggest thing is the manner in which we lost and the fact that it happened against State rather than us just losing the state. Uh, it's in of itself. I'm yeah, because t- again, that happens. But the again, the, the amount of things that had to go wrong and seeing all this happen in such a rapid succession. Um, I think I was pretty shell shocked after the game. I, we'll I still never don't see know anything like that happen again. <laughs> I feel like we're James in China. Now we need Eric to come on and take the burden off of us because we're James in 14 where we went into tribal council with two immunity idols and get voted out in the most embarrassing fashion. So we need somebody else to embarrass themselves. I love taking it off of us. I'm just tired of getting embarrassed. Honestly, I'm just tired of the embarrassment. I'm tired of, you know, rooting for this team, believing in this team and constantly getting 
disappointed. You know, at least the basketball team this season, they can hang their hat on, you know, our national championships, our, our ACC titles, like, you know, the history of it. You know, the, the, the football team has all of the potential, has all of the resources, has all of the, the things needed to have a Michigan-like successful, you know, basketball and football program. Now it's not. I see big- you also saw that tweet. <laughs> um, I just, I just don't know what it is. Is it, is it just we haven't found the right head coach? Is it just the recruit? Like the recruiting is hitting. The recruiting is great. We're gonna have the talent. I'm just so not convinced that anybody on this coaching staff is gonna put it together in the correct way. And I just don't know what it is. I, I'm dumbfounded because I feel like I'm in, in freaking Groundhog Day. Like I'm reliving the same crap over and over and over and over and over again every season now because it comes down to, oh, you know, well, you know, it's just year one for Mac. You know, there's just some inconsistencies. These will get cleaned up next year. Oh, okay, well, you know, it's year two. You know, that I know it's not great. We didn't have the expectations. We, we were above expectations. It was, a, it was like a two-win, three-win team a couple years ago. It was fine. Now we come in with the expectations. We say, this is the year. This is the time we're going to do it. We're going to, you know, buckle our bootstraps. We're going to tighten our belts. We're going to put on our, our pads and we're going to freaking go for it. And we're going to, we're going to contend for an ACC title. Clemson's in a down year. You know, we're going to be, we start off ranked. We get the media attention. Sam Howell's gone after this year. He's going to get drafted. Josh Downs has hype. He's going to get drafted. And we do nothing with it. We don't do, we barely, barely contend for a bowl game. Barely by the skin of our freaking teeth contend for a bowl game. So I was reading an article. I'm not sure if it, I think it was on 24 seven. I wish I could remember where I saw it, but basically what it was saying was that if you want to compete, like compete, compete, you need to have at least half of your roster be blue chip recruits. That's four stars and five stars. Right now, Carolina is not there yet. They are at third, around thirty-five percent ish, I think, uh, of fours and five stars. If recruiting keeps going the way it's going by twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, we'll be there we'll be ready to compete for conference championships and maybe a playoff spot. But that is contingent on recruiting staying as good as it is. And I am not a recruiting guy. I can't tell you what it is about Carolina that is making these dudes recruit or making these dudes commit, but whatever we do next, because we can't act like Mac Brown is going to be here forever. But whatever is going to happen next, we need to keep this recruiting, I'm going to say it, this recruiting momentum, because I don't know another way to describe what's what's happening. Um, We need to keep recruiting the way we've been recruiting in order to get to that place of actually competing. And and the thing I just continue to be aware of, because, again, um, when things aren't going that well, the microscopes tend to come out a little bit more is that this has always been something that people have been concerned with, with coach Brown. And this, it happened at Texas. It happened in his first stint at Carolina. 
no one ever questioned his ability to recruit and get guys on campus. It was at times player development and execution when it came to game time. Um, and so that's something I can see to be worried with. And it's while they have continued to, again, be very successful on the recruiting show, we've got some really good guys coming in, particularly next year. And we are seeing a lot of the young guys we've gotten in the last two years that are really starting to come into their own. If we keep having seasons like this, eventually that, that little sparkle, uh, of whatever they are selling, it's going to fade away. And well, I feel like it's starting to fade. It's fading away now. I feel like that. I tweeted it last night. I said, you just, this loss probably just like disposed of a lot of goodwill that this program has built up over the last like season and a half, two seasons, because when we, when they, when we, when the final buzzer rang and we, and the game was over, I was so frustrated. And I was like, my initial reaction was like, I need a break from UNC football. I don't want to watch UNC football. I don't want to go to a game. I don't want to see Mac Brown's face right now. Like, and I feel like I'm a reasonable person. I tweet a lot about very frantically. I tweet a lot, but in, in my, in reality, for the brand, for the brand, I actually, I feel like I have a decently level head about things, but like, I am just, I just feel like a lot of people, like the, the fans did their job this year. I feel like at every, at every turn I saw, I, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong. You, Maverick, you were around more often than I was. So now, granted there were, once we started losing, they, they, the attendance did definitely go down. It's sort of thing where, but I feel like times that, that really just that wine and cheese moniker. It's the media's fault. Yeah. It's the media's fault. Um, I mean, it happens with with every team. I'm not going to act like we're the only team that it happens to, but when things get tough, I think, especially when you when it's a program that has had its spurts, but not historically, just it's not your Notre Dame's, it's not your any Big Ten school where you could be Rutgers, but you're going to have a full packed stadium every single Saturday because you love that school and you're going to support them. That's um, just never been as much of a focus here as it has been for other programs. And so when you don't have any of those laurels to, to go back on, to keep, you know, the equity up, it's hard to support it when it falters and go through these kind of lulls and such. Um, so we're probably getting the basketball niche where we can have struggles in basketball, but we have seven national championships. We have 20 final fours. We have, we know that we can and have gotten to the mountaintop and there have been struggles during that time that we know that we always get out of it. It's harder to have that perspective in football when we never have. Yeah. It's we've never, we've never crawled out of the depths of Hades. <laughs> you know? We've never crawled out of the threshold of hell. Speaking of Hades, <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for later in the pod. <laughs> Sponsored by Super John <laughs> All right. So, so let's go ahead and wrap football up. Um, Clearly frustrated here. Uh, I, again, I, I I think I was a little too shell-shocked last night for me to have an accurate reaction. I just kind of turned the game off and then uh, watched stand-up comedy for a couple hours before going to bed <laughs> to make myself feel better. And um, I don't know. Um, 
that was a weird game, and I hate that that, that it happened. <laughs> I will ask this question, though, rhetorically. Does anyone enjoy watching this game? <laughs> like, does do state fans like this? Do Carolina fans like this? I don't think anyone likes this game. <laughs> Very mediocre. Whoever comes out with the victory, you can you can start rationalizing after you've got your victory and like make this up. Like I said, uh, Emeka uh, during the game uh, name dropped Jim Valvano and get the never give up quote, and you know all this other stuff comes out and everything. You can rationalize at the end, but I don't think anyone liked that. Yeah, this is like Texas, Texas A and M. If we ever change conferences, never play them again. Never. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what else. I'm sure the Twitter sphere has said everything else that needs to be said. I just don't know how else, how else to convey uh, how embarrassing of a loss that is. And I just think that that's one of those ones that rattles your program, potentially, especially come in a year where you're about to lose your, your, uh, your best quarterback in school history. Um, I don't know how you bounce back from that. Um, and if we have another six and six, you know, six and whatever, five and whatever season, I don't know what the future holds at that point, because if there isn't some modicum of success, success next year, you know, then I don't, I don't know how you can rationalize keeping anybody around, quite frankly. Let's move on to basketball. Uh, first beginning with an apology. Um, to the listeners and also to y'all because I forgot to edit. Um, <laughs> that's, no that, that's it. <laughs> There's nothing else. I just forgot to do it. Um, but we didn't talk about um, the losses to Purdue and Tennessee. Um, but uh, after those two losses, we did beat UNC Asheville. Um, and now we have Michigan coming up on Wednesday. So any and all thoughts, the floor is y'all's. I guess going to, I guess, just a brief overview of what happened at Mohegan Sun. I mean, we came out against Purdue. Um, I think we all kind of kept a level head about that game. Purdue had been – is very highly ranked. I think they were sixth in the country. We were 18th. And, you know, all signs are pointing to them having a legit uh, potential, like, March run with the group that they have put together. And they have a really good – uh, front court was Zach Eady. Uh, they had Williams. Um, and so we came out, though, and we we honestly, we went almost punch for punch with them. They had a couple of runs. They got out a little bit there, but we would always fight back um, and such. And we showed, I think, a lot of competitive spirit. There was a point where Huber got really fired up um, and they pointed out and everybody really got amped up on it on social media. And even the broadcast, again, uh, caught it and everything. But ultimately, Purdue gets the win. Um just some crucial things, turnovers were too big of an issue, um, things like that. There were just too many mistakes made, uh, and we lost. But that was one I, – I, that was probably the least upset I've ever been about a, a Carolina basketball loss. Um, and I think what made – set more people off was the next game, playing Tennessee, which was a little bit more lower ranked. They were kind of in the same ranking area that, that we were. I think we were only like one or two spots off ranking-wise. Um, and such. Now there were concerns. Naturally, when you play two games in 24 hours, stamina and things like that come into play. But you think with a team like Carolina basketball that prides itself on condition or whatnot, you're going to be good. But the the there was just a distinct lack of energy in the second game. 
and Tennessee just outplayed us almost in every aspect of the game. Um, so that one was far more disappointing, far more upsetting, and it continued to point out some very glaring issues um, that the team has right now, particularly with defense, with turnovers, um, you name it. And just overall lack of cohesion, it seems. Uh, and perhaps that's going to be a product of this new age with adding players via the transfer portal, things like that. Just again, just success of, of players going of one and done eras and things like that. It's really going to be hard to put teams together, but it, there was just a lot of dysfunction going on, it seemed like. First, I'll say this. This I have a feeling this is going to be a very strange basketball season. I don't want to say that as a cop-out, but I do just want to preface with that. It's been a weird football season. I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of fifth-year seniors coming back. Um, so teams are older and have played together longer. And I think that effect is going to be even more exasperated in basketball, probably at the mid-major level more than it is at the um, power six, whatever you want to call it in college basketball. Um, that is the big East. I'm calling the six teams. The big East is, is the six in the power six. Um, and teams that are not as experienced together, I think are going to struggle a little bit more than the teams who have played together for three, four years. All that being said, Except if you're Duke, unfortunately. We'll see. We'll see. They're playing with their food a little bit, and I think that'll um, come back to bite them a couple times this year. Um, again, it is November 27th. Um, happy Founders Day, by the way, y'all. Um, 102 years of striving. AEA. Um, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I w- with this team, it's it's going to be defense. We are the, I mean, last time I checked him, Palm, let me see if I still have it open. If not, I'm going to talk until I do have it open. Last time I checked in Kim Palm, we have the 17th ranked offense as far as efficiency margin, or as far as efficiency on offense, 17th in the country. Also, we are the 15th best three point shooting team in the country. Second best in the ACC. Uh, better than Virginia Tech, coached by Mike Young, um, who's given us fits for a, a very long time. It's the defense. It's not good. It's just not good. Like, as far as Power Six teams are con- are concerned, it's not good. Um, and that is something that's going to have to change going into January. We have our first ACC game coming up very quickly. And though these are the ones that matter. So we are going to have to flip a switch on defense. That being said, we've had a break between UNC Asheville and Michigan coming up. Hopefully we can get in the gym. We can get some practices in and fine tune some of the things that have been happening. We've played a lot of games up to this point. Everybody has. Um, this is the first time to get back into the lab and fix things that need to be fixed. So I'm interested to see what we look like coming out against Michigan, who stumbled a little bit recently, the same as we have. So we'll see. David, what do you think? You know, I agree that it's going to be a strange college basketball season. I, 
I agree that the defense needs to be addressed. I don't know. And I'm sure. And I always say these things with a, with a grain of salt. I'm not acting like Hubert Davis just doesn't see what we all see. He doesn't see the defense and the players see it like the, they, they don't want this to be happening. I think I remember somebody, somebody else posted a clip of Roy Williams. That was like, well, if you knew, if you thought that I knew what to do to fix, it, you don't think I would effing do it. You know, like, you know, they got effing do it. If I could, if I knew what, how to fix it. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's obviously a problem. Obviously Hubert Davis wanted defense to be a focus. I saw a, a Twitter video from Greg Barnes about how Carolina doesn't have a a, a problem or it, it doesn't have a, a, a basketball problem and has a messaging problem and went on to go about how Hubert Davis, Hubert Davis didn't do media with local, like do local media. And I, just, I said that I like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, hold on, I'm going to see if I can find it. So I can send yeah. it to you. Well, while you're doing no, it, no, I, mean, I, Kobe, I, do I saw that. And what Davis laughed yeah, at. I actually watched that pod eyes. live when it, he, when that happened, I actually watched it was on their on the beat podcast, which was live. Um, I was, I was watching at the time of, well, I don't agree necessarily with all of it. I think perhaps maybe the essence of what he was trying to say is, is that, you know, from the very beginning, one of the big talk points in me is, you know, Hubert's just a very nice person, but he he does have this very competitive side whatnot, but he is very extremely nice. He's very extremely positive. And we have got that from the jump in what, uh, in the few media stuff that we have got from him. I think what he is referring to is the fact that he's saying one thing in the press what we are getting on the basketball court is two is a completely different things at times. Um, on pressures, we're getting Dawson Garcia is the best defensive big in the country. Brady Manick is the best shooting big in the country. Um, you know, we're going to show up. That was from his first press conference. Um, you know, the, all these kind of different little things. And then we're like five games and we're already questioning all of those things. And so it's a sort of thing where, for a, a fan base like Caroline, while we, I don't think any of us can claim that we know basketball anywhere near the level that the staff does or that any of the players do, it's also, we still at least know some things and have at least, at least the eye test. Um, that is something that I think a lot of folks at least have some sense of capability with. Um, we're hearing one thing and we're seeing another. So at the very least, just make sure that you're, at least not embellishing or I guess what you're wanting to put out there. You can be, you can support the players and say, you know, uh, that you're seeing development from them, um, even if that's not necessarily the case, but to kind of speak in such like exaggerated terms, um, I think folks see through it. And that all of that being said, which I think all of that is fair he is a first-year head coach, and I think something that Hubert's going to have to learn here is that a big part of the job is talking to media. A big part of, of the job is addressing these sorts of things. Like, not even, like, off-court stuff. Like, what is happening on the court, that matters, and what how you talk about it matters. Like, I don't think that there were times where where Roy got, um, we talked about things that he said in the press conference, but it was never because something that he said was wrong. Like a couple years, I guess the 2019, 2020 season, um, 
was it easier than that season? I think it was that season, the Cole Anthony season. I think. When was the season where he said this is like one of the least talented teams I've had? No, it was the Cole Anthony one. Yeah. He wasn't lying. <laughs> like, like he, and, or he had issue. He he was scared. Of, he was wary of how the team would be able to score. Yeah. Like he, said. he said that and like he got some heat for it because maybe that's not the best thing to say to like about a, a group of 18 to 22 year olds. But he wasn't wrong. And I think that's where a lot of the cognitive dissonance comes in with a lot of Carolina fans. It's like, okay, we're used to hearing this sort of candidness coming from the head coach. And at Carolina, you get a decent amount of, I won't say access, but you hear what the head coach has to say a lot. I mean, Dean Smith basically started the coach's show. And so that's going to be a thing, especially coming up. I think Huber's first coach's show as head coach is coming up this week. And I, I'm going to listen to it and see see what how he sounds there. But talking to fans and talking to media is going to be very, very important. More imp- or I won't say very, very important. More important than I think um, the coaching staff might realize. There's... um. I I don't want to say rumors because I don't I don't want to give it any kind of credence, but like at least when I was watching some clips that somebody posted about like how there's this like apparently this frustration with Caleb Love and Dawson Garcia and like how they're just not gelling and there's some either miscommunication or the chemistry is not there. But there's some like very obvious like on the court frustrations. Uh, between <laughs> some of the, those three, like RJ, Caleb, and Dawson, like Mav, I'll I'll let you go re- because you 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 know more about this than I do. But I will say I don't see it as much on the court as y'all do. But Mav, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I don't want to give too much credence to there are there are some clips where there uh, that the, they picked out specific situations where. You know, Dawson would make certain plays, and the body language from both Caleb and RJ would just be like, "What are you doing?" Uh, or at the very least, like, "What?" Going off of like, kind of responding back to what you had said about you know the, the media stuff is that again, these are young kids, you know, coming up and developing and such, and you know, gratification is a very big thing. Uh, and so, when you give these glowing reviews. To media, it's meant to to encourage them and, and make them feel good. But there are some folks that don't necessarily take gratification well, and it might make them a little complacent or make them feel like they don't have to do as much. They're already there. Um, so, what, so whatever level they're playing at is fine. Um, and I think that could be essentially something to play. Roy would very sparingly compliment players, and I think he only complimented players that he knew could take it well and still be able to continue and not let it go to their head necessarily. But I think that is another thing that a young coach would uh, like Hubert would need to navigate as well is, you know, giving those types of compliments and encouragement, specifically when it comes to media at the right times and the right circumstances as well. Um, but I th- again, I think the big thing is just, it's it, it was a copy and pasted team. It's gonna take a while for that gelling to kind of come in there. But I think the big thing is, it, it just so happened that people pointed out Caleb Love and Dawson Garcia, but that's two folks that are that have NBA aspirations who kind of feel like they have to get things done now. 
Um, Dawson's either going to the league or staying here. Um, he's, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to transfer role. again. Yeah, um, and I mean Caleb's either going to transfer or he's going to the league. So it's kind of like I, I feel like it's not necessarily a sense of urgency, but they're like I have to do what I need to do now, and so perhaps that's um, those kind of individual goals might be clashing with one another because Brady Manick in his press conference, I don't know if y'all had a chance to see it by now, but it's the one that caught storm that he kind of pointed out where one of the things that Hubert told the team more in private is that we kind of need to start playing as a team. Um, we need to, we need to be happy for other successes. Um, and I think that's a very telling statement. Yeah. So when we hear these rumblings of, you know, folks, the body language and, interactions and, and things like that might be um, not great between certain players and knowing that they have NBA aspirations. There might be some points that are valid to it, but it, it's not necessarily something to, you know, doom and gloom about yet. I don't think Hubert is a kind of person that would let that just kind of just fester up. I feel like he would at least address it in some way, um, but I'd rather get what he's telling them in private than what we're getting sometimes in the media. Now, we can't expect that. There's always going to be a difference in what's said in private versus what's said in public. As there should be. That's just one of the, yeah, as there should be. That's just one of the dynamics of things. Just be realistic, though, at the same time. Yeah. By the way, Aaron's not here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, Maybe I, I guess I missed something, but like, is the is the Caleb? I know there were rumblings of Caleb transferring between last season and this season. Is the is the common thought that if he doesn't get drafted or if he doesn't go to the league that he's out this year? Like, is that something that's being? I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I was aware of when when Walker announced his transfer, everybody was just like keeping an eye on things, and his dad said some pretty cryptic stuff on Twitter about the systems and things like that. Hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that he, it, it, that's the widespread like opinion of what's going to happen. I, I just think that's my own pure speculation that he's either, he's either going to transfer or he's going to the league. Um, because after what happened this year, especially if we once again have issues, it, it could, and one of the things being is that he's kind of been more that two guard role now while he's found some newfound success with his, with efficiency and he's definitely developing a lot more, um, it, it, I, I could definitely see it being a thing where he might find another destination that might be a better system fit. But like I said, I think he would go to the league before he would transfer. Okay. So we have Michigan coming up, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, super important to beat the Big Ten for the power of the ACC, if you care about that. Um, I did not, I, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't be, but Hunter Dickinson is obviously their best player. Um, he is also their most used player. After that, they have a good chunk of players that are between like 16 and 20% in usage rate. Um, they have... Ooh, looking, looking. They aren't a very good three-point shooting team. Eli Brooks is their best three-point shooter at 43% on the season, but as a team, they shoot 29% on the year, uh, which means going into the Dean Dome, they're going to shoot at least 40, 
so yeah, jack that up about 10 percentage points yeah that'll be that's what's gonna happen there but um yeah I mean, I, I, i'd like to get a win for them like that that definitely think that boosts things back up going into acc play um yeah there's definitely some things that need to be addressed i think one thing i mentioned in the earlier pod too um it's such as that I'm, I'm excited to see what like Brady Manick's doing. I hope he maybe embraces more of a leadership role just because he is the elder statesman. He might not necessarily feel comfortable doing that because it's, it's just a one-year kind of deal. Um, but I feel like he has kind of shown at least um, when addressing things and things like that, that he, can, he definitely has some leadership qualities to him. Well, I'm all for versatile bigs. I'm wary of this team's future without a true low-post player like Armando Bacot um, because our, our low-post stuff, has been non-existent. Um, and so I hope that perhaps get addressed in some of our future recruiting. Um, but that is one thing that I'm worried for more in a long-term sort of deal. David, I really like it. Like, because I look at Duke and I like that, that Theo John Paulo Bancaro front court. That's a dangerous front court. They look, they don't have to be, they can shoot too. And that's the thing, but they also have a low post presence. Yeah. I I we will see about Duke. I am interested to see what they do going into ACC play, where they're going to get everyone's best shot. I mean, they're always going to get everyone's best shot. Um, that night in, night out. Um, they seem to have a propensity to play with their food, so I would like to see them. I mean, they put together a couple complete games, but I also have seen them be. A little young because they are young, so we'll see. Um, David, I think we could talk about me playing Hades later, but I do want to say that I enjoy playing Hades. Oh, good! It's, so it's good. a fun game. I'm learning. I so I've had it for legit two days. I've gotten to one fury, um, Meg, um, Meg and up. I'm learning that crowd control is important. <laughs> so. <laughs> get those boons like the variables of boons that you can get and like what what it's just so good it's so good it's a phenomenal roguelike game well, not just a phenomenal roguelike it's a phenomenal game in general but the music is great the gameplay is great the 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 gameplay loop is really really fun so and i always i actually really i really enjoy going back to the house of hades and like talking with all the Crazy characters. I just like talking to all the giving Cerberus and good pets. Give it the pets. <laughs> Click the right bumper to pet. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's it for this one. We will be back late again. We're recording this on Saturday, so if anything weird happens on Sunday during NFL stuff, we don't know. Um, hope it does because weird stuff's always fun. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. See y'all soon. Deuces.